Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Hey, good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Sunday's broadcast with TBCF. I am Pastor Donald. Um, It's a pleasure to be here with you guys this morning. Um, Thank you for tuning in, whether you're on Facebook Live or YouTube. It is a pleasure to to enter into worship with you guys. And uh, before we get into today's message, I just want to open us up in a word of prayer. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you for uh, your people who are tuned in right now. And I just ask, Lord, that you would just let your word come forth with simply sim- simplicity and uh, it would come forth with conviction, Father, that we would be chastised, challenged, and changed, Lord, that we would be conformed into the image of your son, that your word would take deep root in our hearts, Father. We thank you for giving us hearts to receive, Lord, hearts that believe, giving us a mind to understand, and giving us eyes to see you for who you truly are, Father. We just ask that you would help us to to just wipe away all of the, the, the cares that this week has brought, Lord, and as we enter into a new week, Father, that you would just Uh, just build us up through your word, Father, that we would uh, be encouraged today. And Lord, that your word would go forth and that it would stay with us, Lord, that it would take root in our heart and that it would uh, bear forth much fruit that you would be pleased. Lord, we thank you and we ask this in the mighty, matchless, and magnificent name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. So uh, this morning, we're going to talk about uh, the importance of truth. Um, It's funny that, you know, we're living in a time in the age of information. I don't know if you guys have been tuning in on Tuesday nights, but on Tuesday nights, we just got finished wrapping up a series and a study on the Beatitudes and how uh, it was one of Jesus's first messages that he gave. We, we, a lot of us know it as the Sermon on the Mount. And in this message, he's teaching his people, he's teaching the believers, he's teaching his disciples that the way of the kingdom is completely countercultural to the kingdoms of this world and the kingdom of this earth. And so it is important for us to take uh, an understanding that our ways are not the same as God's ways, that his ways and his thoughts are higher than ours. And we live in the, in the midst of an age of, of uh, mass information. And not only is it just information, but a lot of it is misinformation and disinformation. And so one of the, the most valuable commodities that is kind of hard to come by, unfortunately, in this age of information is truth. One of the greatest questions that you could ever ask in life is what is truth? And, and Jesus tells us in his word that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so, unfortunately, due to the fact that uh, we live in a society that is completely uh, at enmity with God, that doesn't uh, desire to retain God in their knowledge, as, as we've studied over that the past several weeks. This morning, I want us to 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 kind of get a, a greater perspective on where the church is to play its role here in this in this time. Um, we're 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 in unprecedented times. Like there, there's a, a pandemic. We're in the midst of a pandemic. We're in the midst of a lot of civil unrest that's going on. We're in the midst of of a lot of uh, great unknowns. But the one thing that the church in this day and time can be rest assured of is that we serve a God who does not change, that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so in the midst of all of this, it's important that we cling to and that we hold on and we put our hope in the truth 
that is Jesus Christ, that, that the truth is not just something that's subjective, that the truth is a person and that person is Jesus Christ, that we're holding on to the truth. So what we have to understand is something that, you know, me, I like to, to start things off with a quote. And so we're going to go to a quote that uh, one of my favorite, my favorite people uh, who, was an apo- who was an apologist is the late Ravi Zacharias. He said this about truth. He said, truth cannot be sacrificed at the altar of pretended tolerance. Real tolerance is deference to all ideas, not indifference to the truth. And unfortunately, in society right now, there's a lot of indifference to the truth. And we as the church, we as the body of Christ, we as believers cannot afford to allow ourselves to be indifferent to the truth. No matter how good these suggestions and the opinions of man and and, and the opinions of the majority that are around us sound, we have to be full of the truth so that, so that way we can recognize the lie, so that we are full of the, the, the truth that the Spirit of God will, will, will be able to give us the discernment to be able to tell when it is that we're being deceived or when error is trying to creep in. So I mentioned this before earlier this week on Tuesday night, is that we have a right to believe whatever we want. I mean, that's one of the great things that we have is, is, is our freedom of choice. We have a right to believe whatever we want. But at the end of the day, not everything we believe is right, unfortunately. So, I mean, you know, you might be in the midst of a situation where you might be the only one who has a hold of the truth, not your truth, not a truth that has come to you by experience, but that you have the truth. You have the scriptures. You have the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you, you've built your life upon this foundation and you have the truth. And you might be in the midst of a people who completely see things differently. They, they, their, their, their philosophies and their, their worldview is completely contrary to the truth that you hold. And the thing is, is at the end of the day, we can believe whatever we want, but what we believe doesn't, doesn't mean that it's necessarily right. But what you can hold fast to, believer, beloved, uh, man and woman of God is that you have the truth if your life is based and founded upon the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. So let's break this down real quick. Second Timothy chapter three, starting with verse one. And before we get into to this passage, I need you guys to get a little bit of a background. This is Paul writing to Timothy, who is his son in the faith who is, is undertaking the ministry and overseeing the, the, the church. And uh, Paul is writing this from a prison cell. He's writing this letter to Timothy. And for those of you that are familiar with Timothy, we've, we've referenced it earlier on in Tuesday nights as we did the study in the Beatitudes, that in 1 Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy warning him of, those who may come into the church being false teachers, those that are, are in the midst of the church who will bring about persecution because they look like their brothers and sisters. They talk like brothers and sisters, but really in the, in the core of them, they've been deceived because they've, they've, they've uh, come to a knowledge of the truth, but they don't actually do the truth. That's why in James, it tells us to not just be hearers of the word, only deceiving ourselves. I think, I think J.R. kind of had, had mentioned that 
uh, to elevate this past Thursday. If you if you're if you're not familiar with it, you ain't you ain't checked it out. Please look up the archives, check out the annex, look at some of the podcasts, and and follow up on these messages so you have a clear reference. But James tells us not to just be hearers of the word, hearers of the word, deceiving ourselves, but be doers of the word. And so Paul is warning Timothy. He warns him. In First Timothy, about these false teachers that are creeping in and they're trying to cause division in the body of Christ during times of turmoil. And here it is. We find ourselves in chapter three of Second Timothy. And Paul is 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 further reminding Timothy of this warning, because this is going to be a repetitive problem that the church is faced with, because why the enemy knows that his time is short. He knows that his, his fate has been sealed by the, the, the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, the, 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 the life, burial, uh, life, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ has sealed the enemy's fate. So he's going to try and deceive as many as he can before his time is up here on the earth. And so it's important for us as believers to take heed and continue on in the apostles' doctrine as we read this. Amen. So check this out. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. It says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. It's funny that in the Message Bible that that last line reads that they will be addicted to lust and allergic to God. If that don't sound like the society that we're in the midst of, I don't know what does. Verse five, having a form of godliness but denying its power and from such people Turn away. Wow. This sounds like a very stern warning. It sounds like something that we as believers need to pay very close attention to. It says that these false teachers are creeping in and they have a form of godliness, but deny deny the power thereof. It kind of makes me think about Judas is 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 that Judas was one of the disciples he did all the stuff that the disciples did. He went around ministering with them. He went around uh, uh, replicating the teachings that Jesus gave them to go and teach others. They went out and, and, and baptized. They went out and did all these things in the name of Jesus. And Judas looked just like the other disciples. But unfortunately, there was something that was going on internally that wasn't seen to the exterior eye. And, and it was it was it was beneath the surface. And you can't help but think that Jesus already was hip to this. And why was it that he still allowed this? Because he showed us how to deal with this, that even in the midst of all of this, that God can still be glorified, that God's plan can still go forth. Something that we need to see and understand here is I like the way that that Charles Spurgeon said about these deceivers, these false teachers, these, these enemies of the truth. He says, there may be a savor of religion about a man's conversation, and yet it may be a borrowed flavor. He's talking about these teachers that the stuff that they're saying sounds good, y'all. The stuff that they're saying, these dudes, these, these cats sound sharp. 
They sound sharp. They sound they, they, they talk the talk. And he's saying that there may be a savor of religion about a man's conversation. And yet it may be a borrowed flavor like hot sauces used to disguise the stainless, the, 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 the staleness of an ancient meat. That religion, which comes from lips outward, but does not well up from the deep fountains of the heart is not that living water which will spring up to eternal life. So they're saying a bunch of good stuff, but it's not going to bring about the eternal life. He said it's like they're, they're, they're taking hot sauce and polishing it up on stale meat so you won't be able to taste that this meat is bad. I mean, I knew there was a reason why I liked the Prince of Preachers. Uh, I mean, dude, man, who don't like hot sauce? You know what I'm saying? But he's saying that these dudes is doctoring up this rancid meat that they're delivering to the people, to the believers, to the body of Christ in order to deceive them so that they won't taste the lie that's mingled with the truth. And I need you guys to understand and follow this, man, that, that this stuff that's going on, it sounds good. If you read in 1 Timothy chapter 4, it talks about how these, these deceivers, these, these people that are uh, enemies of the truth that are creeping in, trying to deceive and cause division in the body of Christ, trying to wear the people down so they can, can uh, live a watered down uh, walk with Christ and, and hope to make heaven, that they're deceiving them by doing such. And that the reason why they're doing so is because they've had a knowledge of the truth, but they refuse to do it. They refuse to walk it out. They refuse to live it out. And it's like their conscience has been seared with a hot iron that they don't even feel that they've deceived themselves and they go about trying to deceive others. And so it's important for us to know that Paul is warning us just like he, he warned Timothy back then. He says from such turn away. So that means that the, the, the first time that you even smell something ain't right, you need to turn away from it. Don't even entertain it. Don't accept it. Don't receive it. I mean, we live in the age right now of mass information and it's disinformation and misinformation. And it's all been blanketed and covered up by this thing that we call tolerance. And Rabbi Zacharias said that it's, it's not about tolerance doesn't mean that you have to be indifferent to the truth. Again, you can believe what you want, but just because you believe it does not mean that it's right. And so it's important for us as believers to understand that we are not to forsake truth for the sake of false peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, but making peace does not mean that you uh, try to make peace at the expense of the truth. You don't allow truth to die in the street in order to make peace. What do you mean? I mean by like all of these influencers that are trying to influence us to, to coexist, to accept and mingle lies along with the truth. Paul is warning us to turn away from such. And a lot of them are going to come in the form of your friend that you bring to church. Can I say it again? These are people who have a form of godliness, but deny the power of, meaning that they don't believe that scripture is sufficient. They believe in Jesus plus or that Jesus and, and that's completely a farce from the gospel and what the word of God tells us. Verse six, Paul has just told, told us from such turn away and he says in verse six, for of this sort are those who creep into the households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins led away by various lusts, 
always learning and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. We're talking about truth in the age of information, brothers and sisters. We're talking about truth in the midst of an age of misinformation and disinformation. We need to be assured of the fact that we have the truth through scriptures. It says that they worm their ways into households. And it says that they take advantage and captive of gullible women who are always searching for, for, for truth but never coming to a knowledge of it. What does that mean? It's not saying that, that, that women are weak or that, they're, that, that all women are gullible or anything. No, but it's talking about that what was going on in the church at this time, that these false teachers were creeping in because there were women of God. There were women who, who, who you know, were, were realizing the, the bankrupt, like as we were talking about in the Beatitudes, they recognized their bankruptcy spiritually, but did not know how to go about seeking the truth. And so they searched for answers every which way besides just the scriptures. They, 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 they didn't come to a, a true knowledge and understanding of what the scriptures were saying. And so they were looking everywhere that they could, gathering to themselves teachers that would tell them what they wanted to hear, but never coming to a knowledge of the truth. Kind of like these Dr. Fields and these different philosophers, these Deepak Chopras, these, these people that are coming, coming with these, these, uh, these books, these self-help books about living your best life, about, about the secret, the, the, the laws of attraction, the red table talks, all these, all these different things that have you in entanglements of philosophies of the world, of secular humanism, of relativism, of pluralism. And now you've never come, you got all this knowledge, but none of it is leading you to the truth. And so it's important for us to recognize and realize that the scripture is sufficient, that the scripture is the truth. Amen? So what is, he, what is he liken these false teachers to? He likens them in verse eight. He says, now as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith, but they will progress no further for their folly will be manifest to all as, their, as theirs also was. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, my manner of life, purpose, faith, and long-suffering. This is Paul writing to Timothy. You have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. And out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Listen, I said this on Tuesday night regarding the Beatitudes because we finished off the Beatitudes or the, rather the Beatitudes are finished off by talking about the persecution as, as the body of Christ, the persecution that we will have to endure if we are to belong to Jesus Christ. And a lot of the reason why Paul brings this up to the church, to the body of Christ, is because for some reason, a lot of these false teachers like to appeal to our, our human nature of wanting to take the path of least resistance. Persecution doesn't sound good to any of us. 
nor is it a great experience to go through. And this is how Jesus is able to, to undergo his process of separating the sheep from the goats. Because the thing is, is that he's told us that if he suffers persecution, if he suffered persecution, we as his body will too suffer persecution, but not to lose heart because he's endured it for our sake and he will give us the grace to endure as well. Paul is telling Timothy and reminding him, he says, son, you've seen all of the things that I've endured. You've seen how I've maintained uh, my posture as, a, as, a, as an ambassador of Christ through all of these things that I've undergone through persecution. And yet in the midst of a prison cell, he tells him, you've seen the Lord deliver me out of each of them. And I made reference to this statement on, on uh, th this last Tuesday, I made reference to the statement. I want to remind you again, beloved, is that what God has called us to, he will, he, will, he will give us the grace and bring us through. And it says that the Lord ever rescues his people frequently from death, sometimes by the means of death. But either way, nothing ever separates them from his love. I can't recall. I, I, would, I, would, I would go amiss if I tried to count all the, time, all the times that God has delivered me from death because I wouldn't be able to do it justice because I don't know how many times that God has rescued me from death. Just like you don't know all of the times that God has rescued, from you, rescued you, you from death, whether it was the fact that you were on your comings and goings, going back, for, back and forth to work, whether you were coming and leaving your house. None of us know when our day comes, but all of us have a day that is appointed for us to expire here on this earth. None of us are leaving out alive. None of us escape alive. But here it is, is that we, understand, we, we have to understand that persecution is a part of our walk with Christ. It is a part of our relationship with God. And so we need to understand that, that though there are very, very many great benefits of being a believer, that one of those benefits is the grace to endure persecution especially when it's for righteousness sake. Listen, as time goes on, things are going to get worse and worse. And we as believers would be, uh, we, would, we would do ourselves an injustice to think that as time goes on that we won't have to endure hard times. And right now in the midst of, of COVID-19, in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of uh, different political agendas that are going forth by a corrupt government. In the midst of all of these things, these are only a part of the persecution that we have to suffer. Because in the midst of it, we have people who have been inside of the church that have been masquerading as believers that are going to use this as an opportunity and a platform to try and lead some of us astray. And so it's important for us to hold on to the scriptures and pay attention to, to the, the, the apostles' doctrine, like what Paul is laying out here for Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, as we're reading, that we are, are holding on to a knowledge of the truth and not just knowing the truth, because as the great prophet G.I. Joe has told us, that knowing is only half the battle. But James is telling us that we need to walk it out and do it, not just be a hearer. He didn't say just be hearers. Uh, of the word. He didn't say just be hearers and sayers. He says, no, you have to be a doer of the word. And so it's important for us to understand that we are, we, we don't just have a version of the truth. We have the truth itself in the, in the embodiment of Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Savior.
Amen. Moving on, verse 13, it says, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But listen, what I need you guys to understand is that as Paul is telling Timothy all these things are happening, what he's also telling Timothy is that though all this gnarly and crazy stuff is happening, you're in the right place. And if I could, if I could give a, 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 a key phrase or a title to this message that I'm giving you guys is that you're in the place to be. Yes, in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of quarantine, in the midst of sheltering in place, in the midst of calamity and sickness and unrest, you, the body of Christ, are in the place to be. So Paul is warning Timothy that Evil men will grow worse and worse. They're going to multiply. Can you imagine? Jesus had to deal with one Judas. But can you imagine a whole tribe of Judases? And that's what we live in the age of. There's tribes of Judases that are multiplying and raising up, trying to deceive in these last days. They're operating as sons and daughters of disobedience. And they're, they're, they're implanting themselves in the body of Christ trying to lead believers astray, those who have not yet completely come to grips with the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and knowing it for themselves as it being not only, not only uh, inerrant and infallible, but being sufficient for them to live on this side of, of the kingdom. And he moves on in verse, verse 14. He says, he tells Timothy, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith with, which is in Christ Jesus. He says, but you must remain in. You must remain in. And that is what I'm telling you here today, beloved, is that we must remain in the word of God that his word abides in us and we abide in it, that we abide in him and he abides in us. That is the only way that we are to make it through these times. That is the only way that we will be, be able to, to, to fight against deception when it comes to our doorstep, when it tries to enter into the church and, to, and, and cause discord and dysfunction in the body of believers. The, the word of God is our final word. The word of God has the final say in our lives. And so, in order for us to, to, to come to grips with this, we have to understand that in our, walk, in our walk with Christ, that persecution comes along with it. And so for some of us, we, 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 haven't, we haven't come to grips with this and it's caused us to sit on the fence. It's caused us to sit on the fence and not completely enter in as Paul is encouraging Timothy to do, to continue to enter in and continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of. The problem with it is, is that many of us, have, we, we've learned the things, but we haven't allowed ourselves to be made assured of it. We're, we're, we, we hear, we hear the, the sounds of persecution and we're kind of like, man, I don't know if I'm sure about this. I don't, I don't know if I, I, I'm not too sure about this. I don't think I signed up for this. And that's, that's your right to believe so. Again, Alluding to the fact that we have a right to believe and feel whatever it is that we want to feel, but it doesn't mean that what we believe and feel is right. And so you have to ask yourself at the end of the day, 
Am I the bride of Christ? Am I being the bride or am I going to be abroad? Because the second one, God will have no, no, nothing to do with. He'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. Because it's the bride whom he knows intimately. Amen? One of the things that we have to come to understanding is that salvation is sufficient for all, but it's only efficient for those who believe. That means that, you know, one of, one of, the, one of the, 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 the great movements that's going on right now in society that's, that's, that's under the form of tolerance is that, that everyone wants, to, wants humanity to unite. Everybody wants humanity to come together, like lay aside all of our, our differences and, and just come together so we can save ourselves. And that's the biggest lie that the enemy has given us because humanity cannot save itself. That's secular humanism. That's relativism. That's, that's, that's a doctrine of demons thinking that we have the power to save ourselves as a human race. No, if, it, if, hum, if the human race could have saved itself, it would have done so a long time ago. This is not the first time that we as humanity have faced calamity. It is not the first time in, 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 the, in the history of human race that we have been in, in times of unrest and faced great challenges and great threats. No, this is not the first time. And had we had the power to do so a long time ago, we would have done it. If anything, History repeats itself and shows us that we, we, we continually try to put, our, put away from our mind the knowledge of God and try to do things our own way. And so it is important for us to know that this, this whole air that's coming for, forth of this, 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 uh, this free love type movement that's trying to resurge again, of uh, this hippie-like mentality of, of what the world needs now is love, sweet love. No, the world has already gotten the love that it needs. John 3.16 tells us that for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And so that's why the statement is true that salvation is sufficient for all, but it is efficient only to the ones who believe. The, the world has gotten all the love that it needs. It has refused to walk in it. And that's where we stand at today. And so it's important for us to know, believers, that without, with our commitment to follow Christ faithfully, the Christian sets the course of his or her life directly opposite to the course of the world system. Confrontation and conflict become inevitable. So there is no world humanity that's going to that's unite. The world will unite together, but we as believers are called to come out from among them and be separate, as the word of God tells us. We cannot conform to the things of this world, but we have to be transformed by the entire renewal of our minds so that way we may know and live and do what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God here on this earth. So knowing the fact that confrontation is inevitable, knowing that the fact that conflict is inevitable your slogan needs to be, the, the slogan of the church is either you ride with me or you're going to collide with me. And that's what Jesus said from the beginning. Don't think that I came to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword. That I may sever the righteous from the unrighteous. Ride with me or collide with me, but you can't do both. Being the fact that our foundation, why have I been alluding to the fact that our foundation as believers, as the body of Christ needs to be established by scripture is for this very reason. Second Timothy chapter 316, it says all scripture, all scripture, not some scripture, not part of the scripture, not the scripture that we like, not the scripture that says 
the things that we want to hear. It says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable, profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Body of believers, brothers and sisters, beloved, I'm telling you that you are in the place to be. It may not feel like it. Your circumstances may be screaming, get me out of this thing. But what I need you to understand and realize that there is no place like the place that God has placed you in because you're in the place to be. He's giving you the grace to stand firm in the midst of all the stuff that's going on and taking place right now. So why do we say that the scriptures, all scriptures are inspired by God and that they're good for, for, for doctrine? This is the reason why. It says that, that the scriptures are profitable for doctrine because they show us what is right. They show us what is right. The scriptures are also profitable for, for reproof because reproof shows us what is not right. They're also good for correction because they show us how to get right. And it's also great for instruction in righteousness because it shows us how to stay right. Amen? So earlier, as we read, Paul makes a reference to these opposers of the truth. He makes a, a reference to these false teachers that are trying to worm their way into uh, the body of Christ or who have wormed their way into the body of Christ trying to deceive and bring about uh, a, a falling away. Uh, he, he, he brings up two names and he says, Janus and Jambres, how they opposed Moses. And what I need you guys to understand is that uh, I'm, I'm going to take you guys on, on, a, on a quick little trip and jog your memory about the whole Exodus story. And Janus and Jambres uh, these were not the historical names of the two head sorcerers and magicians that uh, opposed Moses when Moses went uh, on the great task of, of uh, delivering the children of Israel. But these guys, uh, by, by uh, storytelling and the, the, the verbal keeping of, of uh, uh, Jewish history, the Jewish people nicknamed these two sorcerers, uh, meaning that that one was opposer and uh, that, that they were the opposers because their, their name is synonymous with opposition and hindrance. And uh, so they were given these nicknames and Paul makes reference to these guys by talking about how when Moses went before Pharaoh, one of the great uh, tasks and miracles that God did with, with Moses and Aaron when they went before Pharaoh is that God commanded them to let to, to cast down their rod before Pharaoh, which turned into a, a great serpent. And uh, this was to be a sign unto Pharaoh that, that what God was saying was true. Why? Because uh, in the midst of that culture, it seems kind of foreign to us today, but in the midst of that culture, you have to understand that, that the Egyptian culture, that, that uh, magicians were like a great, they held, held great status in that culture. And uh, their word tended to, to hold a lot of weight because they did a lot of sleight of hand and they, they were able to do these, these uh, my, mysterious uh, works of art uh, before people and, and people were wooed and awed by that. And so God being able to relate to the culture and show them that he is God goes and sends his messengers there and they take their rod and cast it down before Pharaoh. 
and it turns into a great serpent. And we all know by knowing the scriptures and knowing the story, we know that they were truly sent of God and they were, they were sent there before Pharaoh, who was the, the power uh, in the world, the world power at that time and in that age, that they went before him and did this, this uh, miraculous thing before the eyes of Pharaoh. And the only way that he could relate to them was by doing so, that Pharaoh turns to his magicians immediately and he's, he's wondering how could this have been done? And so what, are the, what does Janice and Jambres do? They go and do an imitation and mimic the same act and cast down their rods and their rods, we don't know how it was done, whether, whether the, the Lord allowed them to, to supernaturally by, by the works of evil and, the, and, the, and the, the, the powers of darkness to be able to turn their rods into serpents. But they did the same thing, and Pharaoh was then unimpressed. When in the midst of, of a great show and move of God, that his messengers, his ambassadors, go before this world power, and they do this thing, that here it is, agents of the enemy, false teachers, come before him, opposers of the truth, come before him, and they mimic what looks like the truth. Again, I said these False teachers sound good. They, they use a little bit of the truth to try and deceive us. And here it is, Janice and Jambres go and imitate the same miracle. One of the things that a lot of people tend to leave out is the fact that though they imitated it, Aaron and Moses' rod that turned to a serpent swallowed both of the serpents that Janice and Jambres were able to miraculously uh, bring into existence by casting down their rods. So what am I saying? I'm saying this is that the good news is the good news. The good news has always been the good news. And in the midst of all that's going on, don't allow the multiplication of news. Again, don't allow the multiplication of news because bad news, there's tons of it. Misinformation, there's tons of it. In the age of information, the greatest thing that we have in this age of information is the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't allow the bad news to come and try and choke it out. Don't allow the bad news, the, 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 the seeming miraculous work of the bad news come and try and cast a shadow over the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. No, if you follow on in the story, in the Exodus story, that that wasn't the first or, or the only work that Janice and Jambres were able to mimic. It, God allowed them to mimic the miracles that, that he did through Aaron and Moses to go to a certain extent, that when it came to a point in the miracles that they brought about from God before Pharaoh, that they had to tell Pharaoh that this is only a work of God. What? You mean to tell me that, that the lie didn't prevail over the truth? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm telling you. Listen, what we have to understand about this incident is that this incident of, of the Exodus story of Janice and Jambres bringing opposition against the truth, that it is an instructive emblem of the sure victory of the divine handiwork over all the opposition of men. Whenever a divine thing is cast into the heart or thrown upon the earth, it, is, it, it swallows up everything else. And though the devil may fashion a counterfeit and produce swarms of opponents, as sure as ever, God is in the work and it swallows up 
all of its foes. Aaron's rod swallowed up all of their rods. So we need to take heart in this and understand that God is not moved by the imitations that the world is throwing out there. He's not moved by the false teachers, but what, what it is that, that we need to understand, knowing that God is not by, moved by it, that we as believers, we are not God, and that we need to depend upon God in order for us not to be moved by it. Amen. Listen, we need to understand that the good news is just that. What is the good news? The good news is that we are not good, but God is. And because we are not good, though we were enemies, God commended his love toward us through the son, through the only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that while we were yet enemies, Christ died for us, reconciling all of us unto himself, unto God, reconciling us all to God. So it's important for us to understand that though salvation is sufficient for all, that it's only efficient for those who believe. Listen, in the midst of all the calamity, in the midst of all the things that are going on, we need to understand that one of, the, one of our greatest assets is the fact that we have the truth. Beloved, I don't want to discourage anybody, but I, I, I do want to discourage you from being discouraged. And I say this, is that we are in the midst of war, we are in battle, and we are, we, are, uh, we are soldiers in the army of the Lord. And I don't say that as a cliche. Why? Because scripture tells us that, that God is a man of war. Jehovah is his name. And we need to take rest in that, knowing that he is, is doing battle on our behalf, no matter what it looks like. It may look like that, that we've, been, we've been left in the midst of chaos, having done all to stand, stand firm. That's what he commands us to do. And we need to stand firm with our feet shod with the gospel of, 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 of Jesus Christ with the good news because that's the only way that we can stand through these times. That's the only way that we can stand against false teachers trying to creep in and deceive us. It's by holding on to the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. In the midst of bad news, we're bombarded with bad news. It's, 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 it, it comes in notifications on our, on our, um, on our devices. It's, it's, it's readily available at every turn. Why? Because the enemy knows that if we grasp and take hold of the good news, we can't be deceived and we can't be led astray and we won't fall uh, enemy or victim. We won't fall victim to the enemy's devices and his tactics. Look, you're in the place to be in the midst of a pandemic. You're in the place to be in the midst of calamity and civil unrest. You're in the place to be. There's no place like the place that he's placed you. One of the things that I want to I want to bring to your attention is that if you read the 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 Exodus story, there were so many uh, uh, miracles that God brought through His servant Moses and Aaron that that came upon the land of Egypt, and some of those miracles were, were came in the forms of plagues. And what's crazy about it is when you read the scriptures, it, it talks about how the plagues went forth and those plagues did their work against the opposers of truth. While the people of God who did the word, the ones who followed the instructions of God, were not 
even touched by the plagues that went forth in the land of Egypt, though they were in the midst of the land of Egypt. And it's funny that scripture would tell us where the people of God were placed at during that time in the land of Egypt. It says that they, the, the place that they were placed in was called Goshen. Goshen translates drawing near. And the reason why I say that you're in the place right now, in the midst of calamity, in the midst of pandemic, in the midst of deceivers that are coming for and opposers of the truth that are coming for our heads, that you're in the place to be because the place that God has called you to be in the midst of this time is in a place of drawing near. It's not an accident that we're not, to, we're not able to come and go as freely as we want to, but that we're rather in a place of stillness because he's called us to our own Goshen at this place in time, which is a place of drawing near to him. And if we draw near to him, he has promised us in his word that he will draw near to us. And so I want to leave you with this encouraging passage. It says this in Psalm chapter 91. A lot of us are familiar with it, but I just want to remind us of it during this time. Psalms 91, it says, he who dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in him I will trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. Amen. Listen, we're in the midst of pestilence, pandemic, calamity, sickness, disease, all this stuff that's going on. This, it, all we've heard about is COVID-19 so much that we can't even, we, we don't even recognize or realize whether we can still get a plain old cold anymore or whether we just got allergies. Look, I want you guys in the midst of all of this uncertainty to know one thing for certain, that God is calling you to draw near. This is the place that he's called you to be in, the place of drawing near, dwelling in his presence, dwelling under a shadow, abiding under a shadow, dwelling under the wings of the almighty in the secret place, being taking, taking up residence and dwelling in his, in his, in his refuge and his fortress. He is your strength during this time. And I feel like during this time that we need to be reminded of the fact that our strength comes from him because the thing is, is that we're in, we, we're, our, our endurance is being tested during this time. For a lot of us who have been carrying on as, as babes in the faith, God is allowing this to test our endurance so that way we can grow, that he's given us a chance and a platform and an opportunity for our endurance to grow, that we, we are to, to learn how to look at persecution as a platform in which God can get all of the glory in the midst of our situation, that he can get all of the glory from our lives. And we have to take res, uh, rest in that and let that be our resolution, that God has created me for his purpose, for his glory, and whether I go through persecution or whether I go in prosperity, that I'm gonna give him all of the glory that he deserves. Beloved, I'm gonna leave you with this, and this is something that, that comes from a, another well-respected man of God in my books um, who has is, who is, who is long gone on to, to, uh, to glory. And it's Charles Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers. He says this. He says, to stand at ease in the midst of tribulation shows a veteran spirit 
long experience, and much grace. To stand at ease in the midst of tribulation shows a veteran spirit, long experience, and much grace. Look, God gives grace to the humble. And for us, it's going to take us to take a position of humility and understand that we're not going to know all of the answers. There's no way for us to know all the answers, but rather take a position of humility to where we draw near to the one who does know all of the answers and to hold on to the truth of his word and the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we would not be deceived in these times and take rest in his refuge and, and, and under the shadow of the almighty, knowing that he has us in the place that he wants us to be. Look, beloved, you're in the place to be. He's called you here and he's called you for such a time as this. So the question is, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna allow persecution to push you away and cause you to panic and be deceived and run away from the faith? Or are you gonna allow persecution to be the platform in which you stand and that he gets all of the glory from the life that he's given you? Amen, amen. Before I, I close out in prayer, I just wanna talk to those of you that may be out there that are tuned in this morning and maybe you don't have a relationship with Christ. I'm not gonna promise you that if you say this prayer that like some magical potion that, that you're gonna receive salvation. No, I'm gonna ask you according to Luke chapter nine, verse 23, have you counted the cost that if you follow, if you follow Christ, that you are to deny yourself first, a place of humility, understanding that you are spiritually bankrupt and you can't bring anything to the table that's gonna secure your salvation but your own humility and your bankruptcy? Have you, have you counted the cost to follow Christ? Are you willing to deny yourself, take up your cross daily and come after him? If you are, then I, 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 I encourage you to call out upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who lived a, a perfect sinless life, who died on the cross, not just for your sins, but because of your sins and instead of you because of your sins and was buried and raised and is now seated at the right hand of the father making intercession for the saints. If you're willing to call upon that name, then you will be saved. And so I just wanna encourage you if, you, if you have called upon the name of Christ today, I want you to, to type it out in the, in the comments, let us know, uh, go to social media, DM us and let us know that you've made the decision to, to that you've counted the cross, that you've decided to deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow hard after Christ. Let us know so that way we can get you plugged in, we can get you connected, and we can continue to encourage you to grow in, in, in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you that we are in the place to be, that we have... Uh, uh, made our resolve, Lord, that even in the midst of persecution, whether we're in prosperity, whether we're in persecution, whether we're, we're afflicted, Lord, or, or whether we're, we're, uh, uh, we, we count it all to be blessed, Lord. We count it all joy, Lord, whatever state that we find ourselves in today. Lord, we thank you that, that we will use persecution as a platform in which you can get all of the glory that you deserve from our life, Lord. Lord, we, we no longer try to do things in our own strength, Lord, but we declare that we will humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, that 
in due season, Lord, that you will lift us up to where we need to be, Lord. We're tired of trying to fight things in our own strength. We're tired of trying to do things in our own way, Lord. We deny ourselves today and we take up our crosses, Lord, and we follow after you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Father, for uh, uh, giving us a, hurt, a, a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, that you would uh, act on your promise and fill us, Lord, that we would be able to live a life of holiness, Lord, that we would, as brethren in, 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 in Christ, that we would come together and develop a holy culture, Lord, that even uh, in the midst of persecution, that we would band together, Lord, and we would use that persecution as a platform in which you would be glorified and that all men would be able to see the true and living God in us. Lord, I thank you right now for those that uh, are, are fighting sickness and disease at uh, this very moment, Lord, those who are on their sick bed, Lord, that you are being glorified in their body, Father. We declare that by your stripes, we are healed, Lord. We thank you, Father, for your healing power, for you are the great physician. Lord, we thank you that they are receiving all of the medical care that they need. And Lord, we pray for a swift recovery right now in the name of Jesus. In the midst of pandemic, Lord, we say that Jesus Christ will get all of the glory, that you deserve all of the glory, all the power, all the honor, Lord. We just thank you right now. We will, we will not allow any circumstance, anything that we go through, Lord, to, to keep us from giving you the glory that you deserve. Father, we thank you right now. I pray for those who are out there, Lord, that are in search of the truth, Lord, that are truly searching and seeking for truth, Lord. And I pray that they would find it, Lord, that your, that your uh, body of believers, Lord, would, uh, would reach out to them, Lord, and that they would reach out to the body of believers, Father, that they would get connected, Lord, that they would not be isolated to where they would be preyed upon by false teachers, Lord, by false doctrine and doctrines of demons, Lord, but that they would be uh, uh, brought into the fold, Lord, that they would be able to be fortified and receive the knowledge of the truth, Lord, and be assured of it, Father, that they would be able to grow and become the, the ambassadors that you have called them to be in, in the body of Christ, Lord. I thank you for your word, Lord, for your word is spirit and life, and we thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be able to come to a knowledge of the truth, which is embodied in the person of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you that we are yours and you are ours, and we stand on that, and we thank you for it. In the mighty, matchless, and magnificent name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you guys for tuning in. Until next time, go with God. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.